Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you give us, all that you are, for just being our God, our Lord, and our Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, not what I am saying, but what the Spirit has to say for each and every one of us during this message. May your word penetrate our hearts, Lord. May you guide us and lead us in all that we hear today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, we're in Mark chapter 4. And this is a fairly well-known parable. Um, if you uh, uh, have been walking with the Lord for any length of time. But it is a parable that is uh, covered in three of the Gospels. It's in Mark 4 and Matthew 13 and Luke 8. And they all cover just a little different aspects of it. But it is the same parable that comes forth. And, you know, it really reminded me, because I drive up and down the hill every day. And looking out on the fields, uh, what used to be the cane field, but now what they're doing is built, um, plowing it over and now putting in trees and lemon trees, it looked like, and herd potato and other things. But it really is a great visual so if you can think about that as you guys have been traveling up and down that visual of that feel of areas where the cars go the trucks as this uh, area that is compounded right pounded down by the trucks uh, areas where in between the trees and the plants um, it's not quite the best soil and it's not quite cultivated there is also, and this one always threw me when I first got here, was these giant piles that were in the middle of the field, right? And, and what I came to find out, right? It's when they hit the blue rock, when they hit the rock and they had to move it, and they moved it all into one pile, and nothing really other than the weeds grew there. And then there was the area where the actual crop grew whether it was sugarcane, whether it's the lemon trees, but there is that which grew, which was on good soil. And so what I want to do is, in light of that, it's that in mind, not just go through this parable as something we often think about for those who don't know the Lord, right? The people... You know, the, we give the word and only this much actually accepts it. But what I would like you guys to do, and, and really this came about because of the pandemic. What it kind of showed me was how deep are our roots? And where are we with our soil? How does this parable play out for you? It gives us four different situations. And I want you guys to think about that in your walk, in your life, in how you are doing and what needs to be done, if anything. And so what we're going to do is take a bit of a running start. We're going to back up a little bit into Mark at the end of Mark chapter 3. And really what we see there is um, Jesus's mother and brother comes and says, hey, we want to see my son. I want to see my son. Um, let, let me in. And, and you got to remember, this is a Jewish mom. I want to see my son. Man, he's acting kind of weird, right? I mean, for them, he's healing people. There's all kinds of people following after him. And then he comes in, and they're like, this guy, he's almost, they say, out of his mind. Right? He's a little delusional. And so that's what they say, and I want to see my boy. And we start in, in verse 33. It says, but he answered, Jesus talking to the crowd who's saying, I, they want to see, your mother wants to see you. Who is my mother or my brother? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat around him, and very much like us, right? We know the Lord. We're sitting around, and we're listening we have some knowledge. And it goes on and says, Here are my mother and my brother. For whoever, and this is key, for whoever does the will of 
God is my brother, my sister, and mother. And we go on into chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered with him, so that he got into a boat and sat in the sea and, and faced the land from the sea. Then he taught them many things by parable and said to them in his teaching, Listen and behold. So let's stop right there. So he comes in the context is what he is telling us through this is for him and, and for us as believers, family resemblance and family relationship is based on doing the will of God. It's not by blood. It's not by you showing up. It's by doing the will of God, right? It's based on that. And the parable is going to go on and talk and say, how do we know the will of God? And he's going to tell us it comes from his word. The word of God is how we know his will. And so basically this parable breaks out into four sections, I mean three sections. We're going to see the parable itself. The second section will be the purpose of the parable. He's going to go through that. And then the third section, he's going to explain the parable. And we're going to just examine that. And again, get your minds not to who this is for, but how this affects me, how this applies to my life and my walk and where I am. So we go on in verse 4. It says, And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, and because it had no depth of earth, it basically died, right? But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Important thing to remember, it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop, that, was, that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And then he goes in verse 9 and says, He who has an ear, let him hear. And that is the call. He who has an ear, let him hear what this parable is saying. Right. So the first part of, of that it's just pretty much the parable, straightforward. But then he goes on to the second part, which, what is the purpose of this parable? Right? And he makes that call, he who has an ear, let him hear. And he goes on in verse 10, our next portion, the purpose of this parable. But when he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve asked, asked him about the parable. So these guys, right, while they were with the crowd hearing the parable, probably like all of us, shaking our head, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. And then they get them alone, and it's like, uh, I didn't really get it. Jesus, can you help me define this? Because you said, if I have an ear to hear, I'll be able to hear it. And I'm not quite getting it. I'm not quite getting what you're saying in this parable. And again... As we see, parables have a purpose in our life. And parables are, for the most part, bringing truth to you and laying it alongside something that is happening in everyday life. They could see, just like we could see the fields, and we could relate to it. We could visually go, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. And the truth that he's going to bring forth, he's laying it alongside. But not everybody gets it, right? Not everybody understands. That, that just sounds like a weird analogy you're using or a weird story. Uh, I don't really get soil. You know, that, that's not my, my thing. And he tells, right, so, hey, what is this parable? What are you talking about? And he goes on in verse 11 and says, says to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, 
so that seeing, and he's quoting Isaiah at this point, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Least they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And, and, you know, he's coming and he's telling, this is the purpose of the parable. Is those who understand, it becomes something. It's a revelation to them. It becomes knowledge. Those who don't get it, I don't trust in Christ. I, I don't know what he does. He didn't die for my sins. That doesn't cover anything in my, that doesn't help me. Those hear this and go, that has nothing to do for me, right? So what we see in the, in the parable, it reveals truth to us. And it also conceals truth. And it has these two purposes. And it, depending on your heart and your soil, what will you hear and what will you accept? And more importantly, not just what you hear, what will you implement? What will you do? Because it's one thing to hear. It's another thing to take a step and do something with it. Obedience, right? So for those who already have this supernatural understanding, these stories generated, right, for us a deeper understanding. Oh, this is what God wants from us. This is what he's looking for. And the parable becomes this window of showing I can look in and I can see what God wants. But on the flip side, it's a mirror because we have to evaluate in light of that truth, what are we doing with it? How is it affecting our lives? And as we look at it and we look at ourselves in light of that truth, what are we doing So these parables reveal that clearly in our lives. And it reveals this truth of light that God wants us to have. And as we understand more, he gives us more. But the other side, right, it conceals truth. For those who don't understand, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. I don't get what you're saying to me. I, it doesn't reveal anything anymore to me, or it becomes just, oh, that's a neat illustration. That, that's a great joke. You know, when I remember that service, that joke. I, I remember that story. But nothing of the word. The word didn't penetrate. So what we see, the purpose of these par- this parable is it reveals truth and it conceals truth. It is often saying the same truth that awakens one blinds another. And it's also been said the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. And in our our lives, you know, the word of God, the truth of God's word can be very hazardous to our health. Because in the end, if we just choose to hear and not do anything with it, it builds up a callus. It builds up a callus in our mind. And it builds up really a callus in your heart that is harder and harder to penetrate. Because truth, the only thing that can penetrate it, the truth and the love of God, you're rejecting. It's just bouncing off. It's just bouncing off. And so this moves us to our third section, the explanation of this parable. And we start in verse 13. And it says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Key verse in this parable, in this passage. If you understand this parable, you can understand all parables. If you don't understand this parable, you're not going to get the other parables. It's a key verse. Okay, verse 14, the sower, and then he goes on to explain, right? The sower sows the word. So we know that's what he's sowing, right? He defines that for us. And he goes on, these are the ones that are, that are by the wayside where the world is, where the word is sown. 
when they hear, Satan comes and immediately takes it away and the word takes away the word that was sown in their heart. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive with gladness, and then and they have no root in them and they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when the tribulation and persecution arises for the sake of the word, immediately they stumble. Verse 18. Now these are the ones who are sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful and verse 20 but these are the ones that ones sown on good ground those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 and some 100 so he tells us what this parable is about jesus is defining it which he does a better job than What's the point of Stephen trying to define it for you? But I'm going to try to make some points out of this. There are five elements of this parable. Fairly simple parable. There's just five elements. The sower, right? The first element, the sower. That's, in this case, the messenger. He who is, you know, um, conveying or spreading the seed. At this time, this is Jesus. But from that time, he's preparing the 12, the 120, the 3,000 that we're learning about in Acts. And even to today, you guys sitting in the seats, you are the sower in this parable. You're the messenger. And what we want to see that in this spreading of the word, he does it. Jesus does it out of this moral and spiritual authority that by that power of the Holy Spirit, he's able to touch lives. Often we just think, oh, this is Jesus. He's God. But in his humanity is teaching who, what it is to be a sower because that's who we are. And in our humanity, in our lives, It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to sow with any power, any authority. It says in John chapter 5 of Jesus, I can do nothing of myself. And in verse 30, he goes on, I can only do what the Father has shown me. And later on, it says, it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that he is able to do these things. Right? So this is not, we often disconnect, oh, Jesus is talking. That's why, that's why this works. That's why people get it. But in the same power that we have, right, when we accepted the Lord, when we chose to say, I will submit my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I want this new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So we're a new creation. And what it tells us, the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in us. By that authority, by that power, we are to become these sowers. With authority, we we are able to bring this word. Martin Lloyd-Jones said of this, if there is no power... There is no preaching. That is to say, powerless preaching is an oxymoron, a contraction in terms. Apart from the empowering of the Spirit, each preacher is merely going through an empty motion of public presentation of material. He also finished this thing, his uh, quote out and says, True preaching, after all, is God acting. So it's through that. The sower, the messenger, we are just a vehicle. And it moves us on to the second element that we see is the seed. 
and it's defined, right? It's the word of God. And this is for us, right? Um, it tells us, Jesus said, you know, man might not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the, the mouth of God. And you'll notice, too, that this is a key idea that his word and its power is what is going to change things. Okay? In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and the piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and moral, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is the key of this parable of what makes change, of what penetrates or what is actually being sown to make change in a person's life. He's going to tell us that, like him, we need to sow the word of God, but we need to understand that the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message, the word of God. And often we, we limit ourselves, right? Saying, I can't do this. I can't talk to them. But if we understand this parable, the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the word that is coming forth. That is where the power comes from. It says in John seventeen seventeen, make them holy by your truth. Your word is truth. And then Paul goes on and says in Romans 1.16, I am not not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That's the power. That's where it comes from. So we see in the Old and New Testament, it's the word. It's the living word. That has the power to change life. And Jesus calls himself the word, right? The Logos. The living word. And this parable is about sowing truth of God's word. And trusting God's word to have an impact. Not about what we do in our performance. But trusting God because he is able. It then takes us to a third element that we see in which is the soil or the conditions of our heart. And this is the variable in this parable, right? It's not the constant. It's the change. It's the thing that, that where are you? Where is this person who's hearing the word and receiving it? Right? We see in the first one, rock hard. This is where the trucks are going Sea lands on it, bounces off, birds come and pick it up. I mean, it's just like when we cut our lawns, right? Birds come and start eating everything that's around. The second is those who have a shallow heart. They hear it and they respond, oh, yeah. It reminds me of, of um, we were just in California. And in California, uh, they had the harvest um, crusade. And the funny thing about any crusade, statistically, only 10% of those who go down actually have a walk with the Lord. 10%. These are those who, in the moment, oh yeah, my buddy's going down. Oh, this music's great. Yeah, this speaks to me in my situation. And I go. But tomorrow, next week, next month, I'm, I'm out of my... My panic situation. I'm out of, you know, needing you, God. And I go and live my life. Then there is the third, right? It goes on and says, these are those who respond to the word. And they start this growth and this activity. And and they're coming to church and they're doing things, right? They're, They're attending Bible study. They start to care about people. But somewhere along the way, they never took the weeds out of their life. I mean, 
I was just, again, looking at the fields, and I'm looking at the trees that are clean, and then there's others that there's just bushes of weeds growing around it. And you got to believe that those weeds are just sucking some life out of this thing. And this is what happens to, to a lot of people, is that, oh, you know, if I had this job, I'd be okay. If I had this car, if I had this sense that I was at peace without really knowing the God of peace, the God of joy. And it sucks the life out of them. And they, again, it chokes them out. The truth of the word is no longer there. The hopes of riches and their activity starts dropping off and we don't see them any longer. And they're not here. They don't attend because they don't enjoy being in God's presence. And again, that confrontation of what the word brings to them. Because more knowledge becomes more responsibility. And then finally we see that soil, that good soil, right? That kind of soil that Luke tells us, it's good and honest heart. In Luke 8.15, the heart that receives the word, the truth, and puts it into practice with perseverance, hanging in there through those ups and downs, right? When we think it's hard, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we bear much fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. And that is what we see is really the end goal. To bear fruit. Not to be happy. I think that's a byproduct. To have peace, that's a byproduct of God's work in your life. It's to bear fruit, as this parable is telling. The fourth element we see is the growth. The first soil, there's none. There's no growth. It's gone. So second, there's a quick popping up. Gone. It scorches. It's over. The third, there's some growth. But it produces no crop. And then the fifth element that we see is fruit. And really, again, this is the desired outcome of anything As we read the Bible, as you sit here, I'm hoping you're looking for fruit, not to be entertained, not because I don't entertain too well, okay? I want you guys to be seeking, what does a God want? What what can I hear? What fruit do I get from this? And this is the desired outcome when Jesus teaches, is that... He's telling us, this is what I want to accomplish in this parable and through this parable. And that when we see it and we study it, it again produces fruit. It does, he didn't, it's not written in our Bibles just for the purpose of reading it and saying, okay, that was neat for Jesus' time, for the disciples' time. For when I came to the Lord... But what does that have to do with my life right now? Because every word, everything that is in the Bible speaks to us. So fruit is this desire, right? That's the outcome we want. And in this seminar, right, of Jesus talking to his disciples, he's telling them this is how life change takes place. This is how it's going to happen. And for them... This is for them and for us. This is how Jesus wants to grow his church, wants to grow his family. We follow and we do the will of God by the word, being obedient for the producing of fruit in our lives because it brings happiness to, the, to our Lord and Savior and our God. So as we look at it, right, the first, again, the first produces no fruit. 
It's that hard soil. The second soil produces again, no fruit. The third, again, no fruit. But notice that the last soil produces much fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You never hear zero. You hear, never hear none. It produces fruit. So Jesus on the last night, right, when he, he's getting his gathering, his disciples together, and he's telling them, I'm about to leave. And he tells them, it's better that I leave because the Spirit is going to come and take residence in you. I am going to give you the helper that you can do these things. But what he also pointed out to him, because he was at the Mount of Olives, just like I'm asking you to visualize the fields, that he takes him in the the olive grove and says, the vineyard, right, in John 15, he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you're going to bear much fruit. As the vine The vine dresser is the father, right, wants you, and you are to cling on to the branches. I mean, the branches are to cling on to Jesus as the vine. That is where our power, and that is where the fruit's going to come. It's when we stay connected to Jesus, and we stay connected to his word, we see the power, and we see the fruit. He goes on in John 15, 8, it says, By this you prove to be my disciples, that you have much activity. No, I don't think that's what it says. That you attend church, that you pray a lot and give a lot, that you have a good job, a nice home, a nice car. No, what he goes on and says, that you bear much fruit, so you prove to be my disciple. It's the thing we can measure ourselves from, right? When we don't have anything that we want to shoot at, that we, we have, and, and I think, in, in essence, that's what happened with the pandemic. It showed us that maybe our walk was not to bear fruit, but to attend church was not to bear fruit, but to say, I pray. Not to bear fruit, but I went through three chapters today. What are we aiming at? Well, I'm giving you something to aim at, that you would bear fruit for God. That you would follow after him. And what I think, if... Um, I'm going to tell you, being honest for myself, I confused activity for fruit, for doing things for fruit. And what it left me with was this lack of, where is everybody during the pandemic? Are we searching for God? Are we saying, I need to be convenient. Are we doing what he said to do? Or I checked in. I watched you on video. I'm good. And I understand. You have to have conviction in your heart of why you want to be here. But we mix up. And for myself, I'm going to say this for me. Activity became more of a measuring stick than the fruit in my life. And all this is to say, what is fruit then? Stephen, you keep talking about fruit. What is fruit? So I, I, there's more, but I really believe, right, we know it's that Christ-like character that it tells us in Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, 
goodness, kindness, self-control, and more. That is the fruit. That is the character of our lives that we should be representing in ourselves to represent Christ to this world. But even more than that, I, I come to believe now it has a lot to do with what is our kingdom impact? How much of the Great Commission are we actually doing that we believe? When he said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's what he told us. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, maybe if you want to, if you have some time. He said, as a command, go and make disciples. And then he he went further on and he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So for us to teach what he's commanded us, we better understand what the word has to say. They all, activities are great because they build us up, right? Build our relationship because we pray. Build our understanding because we read the Bible and we we search it and see what it is. But what is the purpose in the end that we produce, that we bear much fruit? And also, another thing is... And it, it, it really strikes me because I'm, we're seeing probably more homeless than we have in a, quite a while. Is do we have that compassion of heart? Do we have that same heart of Jesus Christ when we see those situations? I'm not saying we're here to fix everybody's situation. But do you have a compassion of heart? Do you see them in such a way that, hey, that's the way Jesus saw them? I see more of Jesus in my life because it comes out in my compassion towards the least of these, the marginal. Those who, uh, I'm not sure I want to touch that. Right? So, And that was really what we saw in the church, the early church. Right? They were the ones pulling the, the orphans, the kids who were dumped. The people who didn't have a place to, to stay. The, the lame and the sick. Pulling them out. Helping them out. I can tell you, most schools, Harvard, Yale, they were started by Christians. Most hospitals, they are started by Christians. Christian organizations wanting to help one another. And this is how you saw 12 guys, 120, 5,000, turn the world upside down. They changed lives, and they bear much fruit. So in this parable, what I want you to see is why this parable is so important. There are two verses in there that I really want to point out to you. The first one is verse 11. It says, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God. And it's funny because if you go to the next parable in verse 21 through 25, where it talks about the light, putting your light under a bushel, hiding your light, the, you've been, you, have been, you have been given to know the mystery The mystery is, you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There are those who don't. And that next parable about the light is saying, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to hide it? Because the purpose of that, of a light, is to illuminate, is to broadcast forward that which you've known, that which has come to you. And he goes on in that parable, and he talks about, um, and then he says, take heed what you hear with the same measure, in verse 24, sorry, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. You use it, more is going to come. You're always, we often, I'm often asking, Lord, show me, 
show me. And he's going, second part of this verse, 25, for whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has, what he has will be taken away from him. If you're not going to be a good steward of that which the Lord has given to you, do you really think logically he's going to give you more? In fact, what he's saying is, if you don't want that, I have a person who wants it. I have someone who wants to use this. This gift to produce fruit. And we just see that in verse 11. We know it. We got to use it. We want more? Use what you got. And then in verse 13, he goes on and says, Do you not understand this parable? How will you then understand all parables? And there's some 50-something parables in the Bible. He's saying this is the key. You can't understand this, your starting point. You're not going to understand what I'm trying to tell you as I lay truth alongside something that you should be able to grasp. Right? This is the key to understanding. And he's teaching them through this parable is this is how the kingdom is going to work. It's a growth. It's a producing of fruit. And it's a reproducing. It's seeing those who are in hard ground, those who are in stony ground, those who are in thorns, and being concerned about them. I can tell you. I was like, oh, shoot. Our thing is that quarter, that that one-fourth. Those are the guys we got to concentrate on. There's 75% that don't get it. Who's going to help them cultivate the ground? Is that in our heart? Is that part of the great commission? Is that part of the great compassion that we should have for them? And it even tells us in the other Gospels, it tells us the prophets long to hear about this, long to see this. But you guys get to see it, get to hear about it, and get to know it, and get to live it. Things that we read about, these old guys, right, prior to Jesus, they long for it. Do we long for what we have that's in front of us? And again, this is the key to life changing the curve. It's the teaching pattern that Jesus is showing us. It's this model that he has for us. And so I just want to close with these, hopefully quick, observations, eight observations. What we've seen is that the family relationship with Jesus is doing God's will. That's where we started, right? And we learned that God's will is in his word. And his word is from Jesus the sower. And that's where it starts. Second, we see that what is God's will? It is God's will for us to follow Jesus and that we actually do as he did. Not only what he said, but as he did. And it would be a great study. You can do this on your own. Go through the Gospels and find out what did Jesus do. Yes, he said a lot, but what did he do and what order did it happen? Third thing, the sower of, the word, of God's word is the son of man in this case, right? He preaches with authority and power, and yet he confesses that his power is not of his own, but has been given to him through the Holy Spirit, which we have. So it should encourage us. This is what we have. Number four is the seed is God's word. We got to see that. That as we see good seed in good soil produces fruit 100% of the time. Do we believe that? Good seed in good soil will produce, not maybe, will produce fruit. 100% of the time.
And five, the soil are the conditions of the heart in this parable and in life. And he's telling us, right, those on hard one. And again, this is not just for salvation, guys. This is for our self-examination, for where we are, for what brought us through COVID, what brought us through this pandemic and how we approached it. I'm just using that because that, that's what hit me. Is it hard soil? Is it thorny, I mean, stony ground? Is it full of thorns and, and weeds? Or is it good soil? And do we consider that 75% that they need to be cultivated, that that's God's heart, that all will come to know the love of God? And the sixth thing we see is effective sowing, teaching, and preaching is essential, but we must cultivate and prepare the soil for it to have impact at all. Right? You guys get a lot of good word up here. A lot of good teaching. What is the soil of your heart? Because that is where the impact's going to be. Pastor Rick and I cannot come here and say, you know, your life, you got to plow it up by us preaching this word. Individually, in community, as a body, that's where that happens. As we relationally get to know one another and are willing to put ourselves out there. And ask for help. Say, I'm hurting. Say, I'm going through this issue. I need help. We're a body. We're not individuals. That's why we said, come back and be a body. Be in this congregation. Because me watching you through the video, you have no connection with me. Connection happens when I can look you in the face. When I can feel your hurt. When I can feel your love. The seventh thing we see, growth and fruit are not synonymous. And that was a big key for me. A big eye-opener. We often think that growth, activity, attendance, this is how we measure is our church growing, right? Is this... This, our body's great. And I just use our body because that's the one I know. What happened during the pandemic? We were so great. I mean, just was in California. Talked to my brother. He goes, wow, seeing you guys, you know, when we were at the, uh, at the school, Kalama, he, he talked about, hey, you guys seem a lot of love pandemic happens where'd everybody go and maybe in in some sense i'm sorry this is how i am. <laughs> wednesday night nobody's here there's four of us there's five of us i'm trying to give you a guilt trip right now <laughs> bear much fruit we want fruit yes Part of it's the learning, but it's the relationship. Let's be a body. Activity and fruit are not synonymous. But if you're not here, I have no idea where I can go for help. And we are the body of Christ. Finally, we end with a seed is sown and then we learn how to weed, fertilize, cultivate. We must remember only God is going to make the increase. It's not of our effort. It's not we are responsible for that to happen. We are responsible to be obedient to what God has called us to do. 
In the first Corinthians three, it says, Paul talking, it says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. God's going to do the work. God's the one that's going to do it. So we are gardeners. This parable has told us that. We are here to cultivate, to spread the word, to be sowers of the word. And now we have a goal. The goal is to produce fruit. Because, right? Without a target, I hit a bullseye every time. Now you have a target. Produce fruit. Not just in your life, but help others to produce fruit in their life. And that's what this parable is about. Next week, I'm going to go on and tell you through Romans 12 how we can cultivate in our lives. Because Paul has given us an outline of what we can do. And so... Here we are. This is that, the parable of the sower, but it's really the parable of the soil that produces fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to just wander, to just be out there doing whatever, but you give us guidance. And Lord, we truly want to know you more, to do your will, to be filled with your presence and to be touched. Lord, to to cultivate, not just in our own lives, but cultivate in those around us that your word, your truth, will truly bear much fruit. I thank you that we are here, that you love us so much that you died for us that you've given us all that is necessary. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Help us, Lord, to live a life that is pleasing to you, that we wouldn't be on hard ground, on stony ground, on ground that is filled with weeds, but a true cultivated good soil that 100% of the time produces fruit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.